so many times, a lot of people, they use a lot of big words in church, especially in church. And many times we throw out these words and we expect people to know these big words, but we never have taken the time to explain them. And if you've grown up in church any amount of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because we can throw out words like justification, redemption, salvation, propitiation, dear Jesus, right? Sanctification, all of these words, and we just expect that everybody knows what they mean. But if you assume that people knows, really know what they mean, then I, I really don't believe we can assume that. Um, and uh, none of us are just born with a, like a, a dictionary implanted into our skulls and we just throw out all of these words and you go, yeah, you know what that means? And you're like, no, I don't know what that means. So we're going to uh, take some time today and next Sunday talking about some of these big words. Now, again, if you've grown up in church any amount of time, you know, you may have heard some of these big words. And when you hear them, you're going to go like this. Ooh, ah. And some of you, you're going to go, that's really deep. Now, let me tell you what deep means. For Christians, deep means that's really confusing. I have no idea what you just said. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf today, and we're going to look at what do these big words mean. Now, before we dive into Romans today, all of those who were here last week, we're going to do some uh, review, all right? Now, I need all of you who are ungodly, just the ungodly people, to raise your hand. All right, now, some of you, you weren't here last week, and you're like pulling your purse close, and you're like, do I still have my wallet? All right, you might want to check, just giving you a heads up. We talked about last week that all of us are ungodly, and I know that can be offensive to some people, and we just explained, okay, God is perfect, and I am not perfect. I am imperfect. In fact, we talked about changing the word imperfect to the unperfect. I am unperfect. And because I am unperfect, I am ungodly. So none of us are perfect. None of us, we've all messed up in the past. And so many times we just, you know, we write it off to bad habits. We write it off to, that's what my mom did. We write it off to all this stuff. And, but we spend our entire life trying to change us. And we try to, you know, work on this and you get people around you. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe a teacher. And they ask you questions like, what is wrong with you? Right? I mean, has anybody ever asked you that question besides my wife? Anyone? What is wrong with you? Huh? And, and, and you're like, I don't know. Right? We know we should be doing certain things. We know we shouldn't be doing certain things. But we just have this tendency of always doing something wrong. And we talked about last week that the problem may be you don't know what the problem may be. That all of us, we got this problem, and the Bible talks about our problem. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, and he wrote it to a group of Christians in Rome, he described our problem. He described our problem. And today and next Sunday, we're going to look at the solution to my problem and the solution to your problem. 
If you're a Bible person or if you're a Christian, you really need to lean into these, this, this teaching, especially today and next Sunday. Now, if you're not a Bible person, if you would say, you know what, I'm not a Christian, I would really encourage you to listen to this as well because what's so cool about this, you're going to realize that all of us, we have something in common, that all of us are really jacked up. We're all really messed up. And some of us, we have a better way of hiding it. Some of us, we, we look, you know, we try to cover it up. But all of us, we have some issues. And if you don't believe me, if you're married, all I have to do is talk to your spouse, right? Because we all have some issues. So we looked at the verse last Sunday, and we're going to be looking at the beginning of this Sunday, uh, Apostle, the Apostle Paul's problem. Because he, as he's writing this, this, this story in Romans, as he's writing this, he is expressing some sincere frustration. This is what it says in Romans chapter 17, 7, excuse me, starting in verse 15. Romans 7, 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who does it, but it is sin living in me that does it, that does it. You see, Paul, he had this issue. He was frustrated, and he pretty much nailed the, 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 the nail on the head with this whole idea that it's sin. That all of us, we have this, this sin problem. And you know what? You don't have to be a religious person to get this and to understand what Paul is feeling. Because how many times have you driven home late at night, and you were thinking, man, I did that again. I, I said I was never going to do that, and I went and I did it again. Or you, you, got, you turned off the computer and you said, I can't believe I did that again. You went out and you came back from a shopping spree. And you said, I, I, I said I was never going to do that again. I, and, and, and we all say we're not going to do things, but we have a tendency to do it. And we, the things we don't want to do, we do. And the things we do want to do, we don't do. And we're all discombobulated. That's a word for you. All right. So uh, we talked about last week that it's we have an easier job training our dogs than we have do, we would do training us. How many of y'all have pets in the house? Remember, I mean, we can train our dogs. We can potty train them. We can house broke them. How come we're not house broken? I mean, not figuratively, not literally. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, how come we have issues? And the issues that we have all stems from what we talked about last week that we are all related to someone. We are all related to a guy by the name of Adam. We talked about this last week, that all of us are in Adam. And we did this whole thing right here, that when we have this clear, this clear, this clarity and we're all everything. But here's the thing, when Adam sinned, and when he sinned, it just turned our entire world, it turned our conscience, it turned everything dark. And we're messed up. That we are not clear anymore. 
that we have this idea of, you know what, I wish I could do the things I, I, I wish I could do, but I just can't do them because when we have a choice between right and wrong, we always have the tendency to choose wrong. And the reason why is because that we are all in Adam. And what, I, what that means is we, we are all related to Adam. And we talked about last week, think about the worst um, virus or sickness movie you've ever thought of, like Outbreak, all right, or Contagion, or Side Effects, or any of those things, and those freaky movies, right, with the airborne virus and everything, that when Adam and Eve sinned, we inherited that sin, and when, we, when we're babies, it's like everything's great, right? And if you, if you have like a brand new baby, you're like, oh, you're just so cute, and then when they turn two, they become hell child, right? Like, what in the world happened to my kid? I mean, what got into him? And, and Paul would say, I can tell you what got into him. It was sin. Because you don't have to train your children to be selfish. You don't have to train your children to lie or to cheat or to say that's mine or not to share. It just comes naturally because of who we're related to. We are related to Adam. And the thing we talked about last week is that we have to think of sin not as a verb, but we have to think about it as a noun. Think of sin as a noun, not a verb. Because most of us, when we think of sin, we think of stuff that we do. I do this, and I do this, and I do this, kind of like what Paul did. But sin is more than just a verb. Sin is a noun that results in verbs. That because we are a sinner, we sin. And what's so cool and what we're going to learn about today is that God wants to change us so that we're no longer sinners anymore. He wants to make us something new. Now, at the end of Romans, that Romans 7 passage, look at what Paul, he gets so frustrated, here's what he says. What a wretched man I am. I mean, that's pretty bold. You know what that tells us? That tells us that the thing that he wished he wasn't doing that he was doing was more than just driving five miles over the speed limit in his chariot. It it was more than just not emptying the dishwasher, guys, right? I mean, it was more, it was something big. And I'm so glad the Bible doesn't tell us what it is because we could say, that dude was jacked up. He didn't tell us because here's the thing. All of us have those big things in our lives, don't we? All of us do. And we tried, we went to counseling. Maybe you need to go to counseling, but you haven't went to counseling. You mean, you've tried all of this stuff. You, you've listened to self-help books. You've read. You've, you've done all of this. You've tried improving yourself and all this stuff. And nothing has changed. And the reason why nothing has changed is because you're attacking the verbs and not the noun. Now, again, I love Romans seven twenty four. It says, what can rescue me? Is that what it says? What does it say? Who? Here's the thing, though. I think most of us, we ask the question, what? What can I do? What can I change? What can I read? What insight can save me? What new world, new world view can I adopt? What can I do? I'll try harder. What rules do I have to follow? I will follow the rules. I'll become religious. I'll start going to church. I'll start saying this and praying this. I'll do whatever I need to do in order to fix me. And the problem is, it's not about a do. It's about a who. You see, it's not what can rescue me from this body of death. 
the question that Paul asked is, who? Who can rescue me from this body of death? There is no what that can rescue you. Do you know that? There is no what that can rescue you. Not even religious what's. You know what, if I just go to church, if I just listen to more sermons, if I just give, if I just do and do and do and do. And let me tell you, Christianity isn't spelled D-O. It's spelled D-O-N-E. Why? Because of the who. It is Jesus. It is Jesus that we're going to see is the fix for all of this. And we're going to dig into Romans chapter 3, and we're going to see the solution to this problem of sin is not a do, but it's a who. It is a person. And the big idea today, I'm going to tell you, this is complicated. And again, if you brought a friend, I just want to apologize up front. All right? It'll start getting really clear next week, especially because Joel's teaching as well. But listen to what the big idea was last week, and then we're going to build on it. This was the big idea last week. That one unrighteous act of one man assured that you were born a slave to sin. Because we are all in Adam... He jacked everything up, and all of us are born with sin. Now, the big idea today builds on that, and it's a long one, so hang on for a sec. Just as one unrighteous act of one man ensured that you were born a slave to what? Sin. So the single righteous act of one man, by the way, his name is Jesus, frees you from the power of sin. The idea of this is called justification. Let's say that. Justification. Now, before I define that, let me just explain just how important this doctrine, this belief is. Because it was this belief that split the church in two. It split it into Catholics and Protestants. I mean, this this idea of justification, wars have been fought. Blood has been spilled. I mean, there are still people fighting over this today. And in the next 15 minutes I have left, I'm going to solve this for you. Thank you very much. Right? We're going to dig into it. And I'm saying that facetiously because some of the stuff that we're looking at, I just want you to start reading the Bible and digging into it. Now, let me tell you, before we start digging into Romans 3, normally I read out of the New Living Translation for you guys. It's what we offer for free. Today, I'm going to be looking at the New Living Translation, but I'm also going to be looking at the New International Version, the NIV. And here's the reason why. The NLT, all of these big words, justification, propitiation, all this stuff, it doesn't use any of those words. The the New Living Translation, they just define the words for you. It's one of the reasons why I love the New Living Translation. If you're kind of, sometimes maybe you read the Bible and you're like, I don't understand none of this. You need to pick up a copy of the New Living Translation because it doesn't assume that you know anything. And I need that. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's look into this. Romans chapter 3 Starting at verse 21. Here it is. Buckle up. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. The righteousness. Just leave that up there if you would. What is righteousness? Because again, we can throw it out there and, okay, what does that mean? Okay, you would maybe define it one way, another person would define it another way. Let me show you how this verse how righteousness is expanded on, and it doesn't use the word righteousness, it just defines it in the New Living Translation. Here it is. 
But now God has shown us a way to be made right with God. That's righteousness. What righteousness is, is a a, a way to be made right with God. You see, right now, because we are in Adam and we are related to Adam, you've got a problem. And so do I. And not just the people in here, and not just the people in Clarksville, but every human who's ever been born since Adam. And by the way, he was the first. So that's everybody. Everybody say everybody. Everybody has a problem. They do. All right? Billy Graham has a problem. Mother Teresa has a problem. Bill Clinton has a problem. George W. So, no, don't go there. I'm getting ready to hit Bush. We ain't making it political. All right? Uh, Bush has a problem. Obama has a problem. Everybody has a problem. And the problem that they have is we have not been made right with God. But our sin has cut us off. But look at this. But, I love buts. One of these days, I'm going to preach a series entitled God's Big Butts in the Bible. Because that but is amazing. Look at this. But now God But now God has shown us a way, here's the way to be made right with him. Look at this. Without keeping the requirements of the law. That's huge. Because some of you if you ask the average person, how do you know that you're getting to heaven? I'm good. I, I, I try to do good. I try to obey the law. I try not to kill people. I try not to hurt people. And, and what this verse says is, you know what? You can try all day long. But if, that, if this is how you're going to be made right with God, the righteousness of God, let me tell you, you ain't going to make it. Keeping the requirements of the law, it's apart from that. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets from long ago. Now, let's look at what righteousness is. Here it is. Righteousness is to be made right with God. And that happens apart from keeping the law. Our natural instinct is to work hard and try harder and to do harder. And we just, if we do, 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 then you know what? We're going to get promoted. I mean, you know how that is. You study for a test. Why? Because you want to what? Pass. I was going to say ace, but some of y'all, y'all are just happy with passing. I understand that. I, I hear you. I feel you. All right, but my point, if you work hard, all right, if you, if you do hard, if you study hard, if you go into work early and leave late, if you're a good employee, you're going to get a raise because it's all about what we do and what we do, we get something from what we do. But let me tell you, that is not Christianity. Let me tell you, there are two types of religions in the world, only two. The first type of religion is this, you do To get it. And that is 99.9% of all religions. That if you do hard, if you go here, if you say this many prayers and rub this many beads and do all of this, then you are okay. I mean, some religions, if you blow stuff up, you know what I'm saying? If you go into a crowd and you blow yourself up, then you've got 70 virgins. That's what most, that if you do this, you get this. That's not Christianity. Christianity isn't about what you do. It's about the who and what he has done. So I I don't want you to get caught in this whole religious fiasco of saying, okay, if I do this, if I come to one church, then I'm okay. Because it's obvious that we're not okay. I love this. We're going to keep on digging into this. Look at what Romans 3.23 says, okay? I love this because just if you think, okay, 
then maybe I got a chance. Maybe I got a chance. This right here says no one has a chance. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now let's talk about that. Everyone has sinned. That's in past tense. That means we've all done it. All right, we've all sinned, so we've all sinned in the past. We're going to sin in the future too, but we've all sinned in the past, and presently we don't measure up to God's standard. What is God's standard? It is, we talked about this last week, perfection. Perfection. And none of us measure up. Now, some of you say, well, I'm not totally bad. I'm a pretty good person. I'm somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Ted Bundy. All right? And, and, and you kind of approach this whole thing kind of like community college where somebody's always pulling the, the bell curve down, right? All right, you get the jocks in there and they're, you know, they're like, I is a sports person, right? And you want to get in those classes, right? Because they're going to be down here and you're kind of right here and they're going to pull the average down so you win, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There is, no, there is no bell curve with God. God doesn't grade on a curve. You're either perfect or imperfect. You're either pure or you're impure. I mean, I mean, it's like this. Before I jacked up this water, it was safe to drink. Nobody wants to drink this now. Trust me, you don't. Right? I, I would... I, it ain't Kool-Aid. I mean, I just wouldn't, you know, chug it because it's nasty. I mean, that is, it's like taking one drop and that's all it took. It defiled everything. And that's all it takes with you and I. You know, James chapter 2 verse 10, the, the half-brother Jesus, he says this, if you break one aspect of God's law, you've broken it all. So, okay, maybe you've not murdered anybody. But you thought about getting angry and getting even with somebody. That's all it takes. Because God not only judges our actions, he judges our motives. And none of us, none of us, none of us measure up. Romans 3.23. Now, that's what the thing. This impurity has contaminated the entire water. But look at here. Verse 22. I love this. We are made right with God. That's righteousness. All right, how are we made right with God? Look at this, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. I like that. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Not by going to a priest and confessing your sins, not by rubbing beads or saying this many prayers, this many ways. No, no, no. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for some people. Is that what it says? Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And that's how righteousness is obtained. We, it is obtained through faith. Is it in faith in what we do? No. It's faith in a who, not a do. It's a faith in who? Jesus. That's exactly right. Verse 24. Let's get there. This is a big word alert. All right, let's go into it. We are, what does it say? Dear Jesus. We are justified Freely is a gift by his, what's the next one? Grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Those are just honking big words. So again, let's define them a little bit. I mean, justified, grace, 
redemption. Look at what the NLT, how it does. It just takes out those words and it just puts in the definitions. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, guess what that is? There it is. Declares that we are righteous. What is that? Justification. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us. What is that? Redemption for the penalty of our sins. So let's just define that. Grace. What is grace? Grace is not just something that you say before you eat. Grace is an undeserved gift. It is an undeserved gift. Grace isn't earned. It's given freely. You can't earn anything with God. Do you know that? You can't earn. God is not going to love you anymore if you do better. Now, some of that, some people, you ought to go, wow, really? That's true. Because grace isn't earned. It is given freely. The word grace in the Greek is called charis. And it literally means undeserved gift. Let's look at the next big word, justification. Man, that's a big honking one. Justification, it is a legal judicial word that means to declare someone right and guilty. So, leave that up there if you would. A legal word that means to declare someone right and guilty and not guilty. All right, that's huge. Right and not guilty. Leave that up there. This is the best way I can explain this. Um, I, I grew up here in Clarksville. I went to Austin P. Let's go P. All right, here's the thing. I'll never forget, I was going down College Street, and I was going a little fast because I got a lead foot. And I remember getting pulled over by the police, the Clarksville Police Department, all right? Some of you work for them, bless you. <clears throat> and I remember I, got, I, I, I pulled over, I went into the parking lot, and the dude starts writing me a ticket. And, I, you know, I'm telling him jokes. You know, hey, you know, no, it ain't working. All right, it ain't working. I'm like, hey, you know, I, you know, I was, I was on the way, you know, to a religious event. I'm, I'm studying to be a pastor. He's going, okay, good. Um, didn't work. So now I'm just getting angry. So I, I, I was a music major in college. So I pulled out my trumpet. And I, I, I get outside. This is true. I can't make this stuff up. I get outside my vehicle. And as he's writing me the ticket, I get on my trumpet and I go, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I'm trying to be funny. Now, they sing that when you're in jail. He, he smiles at me. I'm thinking, oh, I got this. Here's your ticket, sir. <laughs> yeah! Right? So I'm like, dadgummit. Right? So I remember going to the courts, and I'm going to fight this puppy. I mean, because I, I, I wasn't going that far. So I remember going to, to the going to court, and Judge Watson was my judge. I know Judge Watson for a lot of different reasons. Um, his son George and I went to uh, school together. And I remember, you know, he called me up front. He says, okay, you're speeding. How do you plead? Guilty. Okay. So, I mean, I was guilty. No, no, okay. And then, um, and I said, um, but sir, and then the officer comes up who wrote me the ticket. He comes up and he says, judge, this is the person I was telling you about. I'm like, yeah, baby. All right. Word is getting around, right? So, uh, he says, oh, this is the dude who played his trumpet while you were, and he says, yes, sir, that's him. And Judge Watson looked at me. And looked at the officer, he says, well, did he play his trumpet well? 
Yes, sir, he actually did. He's a pretty good trump player. So he took the gavel and he said, bam. He says, case dismissed, not guilty. I didn't have to pay anything, right? Now, I still need to wash Judge Watson's car, but I, I was free to go. That is justification, right? Was I guilty? Yes, right? Um, but even though I was guilty, the judge pronounced me not guilty. Did I, did I have to pay the fine? No, I was free to go. That's what justification is. Justification is a judge saying, not guilty. Now, here's the thing about this. And some person says it like this, that justified means just as I had never sinned. Now, here's what's so cool about this. Jesus gives us justification. So when Jesus, when he enters into our life, our dark, murky lives, he comes in and he changes us. He changes us, and he just keeps on changing and changing and changing. And I'm telling you, by the end of today, this is going to be clear. Why? (laughs) All right. Moving on. I have been working on that for weeks. And that did not work. Um, but it's becoming clearer, maybe, possibly. So if you go like this, it, it looks really clear. All right, cool. Now, let's look at the next one. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. All right? We are justified freely as a gift by his grace through the what? Redemption of his sins. The redemption of his sins. That's another big word, not a $20 in my pocket, but a $20 word, right? Here it is. $20 word redemption. That means, hang out with me. Redemption means a word, a word used in the slave market that means to buy a person in order to free them. All right. That's what redemption is. It's a word that was used in the slave market that when someone would purchase a person, And after they purchased that person, they would let that person go and they would free that person. That is exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. He bought us because we were so dark with our sin. He purchased us and he set us free. Look at verse 25, another $20 word. All right, what was the currency that that freed us? Verse 25, whom God displayed, Jesus, whom God displayed Jesus publicly as a, what's that next word? Propitiation. Now, some of you, if I gave, if I had a million dollars in my pocket, I'd say, what is that? My money would be safe. But if you're a guy in here, you know what this word means. Don't put it up yet. If you're a guy in here, how many of y'all have ever ticked off your wife? If you're a guy and you have a pulse, your, your hand should be up, all right? Now, when you have ticked off your wife and you are coming home, you have a tendency to drive by Publix or Kroger or some type of florist and you pick up what? Flowers. 
And you think that if you take home flowers to your wife who is ticked at you, that she will no longer be ticked at you. What you're doing is that those flowers are a propitiation. Here's what the word means. Propitiation is a gift given to turn away anger. And again, if you've been married, there's been some moments and fits of anger, right? So you do something in order to be able to, a gift that you give in order to be able to turn away her anger. That is big. Now, why was God angry? Why was he offended? Because of our sin. And, and, and see, here's where my illustration of me coming before the judge and paying, playing my trumpet kind of breaks down. You see, no one paid for my speeding ticket. Was I guilty? Yes, I was. And the judge, he, he pronounced me not guilty. He justified me. But I still broke the law. I still broke the law. And here's the thing. No one paid for the ticket. And law has to be paid. Let me give it to you another way. This is a little bit more, uh, has some more emotion to it. Let's say somebody killed your best friend. Somebody raped your sister. And the person who did that goes in front of the judge. And the judge asks, how do you plead? And they say, guilty. But then the judge says, you know what? I know that you said guilty, but I'm going to let you off the hook. If, you're, if your best friend was killed, if your sister had been taken advantage of and was raped, has justice been served? No. H- how do you feel? Cheated? Angry? You want to take matters into your own hands? Let me tell you, God is a just judge, and when a penalty has been broken, when a law has been broken, somebody has to pay the price. What is the price that has to be paid because we sin? And that is death. You see, we owed a debt that we could not pay because we sinned. Jesus, who had never sinned, he didn't owe anything. But he paid a debt that he did not owe. And he became the the penalty, if you will. He paid the price on our behalf. And the clean standing, the, the, the righteousness that was on Jesus now gets placed in and on us. And God sees us as justified. And all of our junk and sin gets placed on Jesus. And that's what happened when he was up on the cross and he was dying. He looks up and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, God the Father turned his head away from God the Son, Jesus Christ, because God cannot look upon sin. And at that moment, Jesus became the penalty of everyone's sins who lived on all the earth on all time. It was all dumped. All that darkness, all that cloudiness was dumped on Jesus. Look at what the last two verses, and then we're going to close, says this. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God. What is that? That's righteousness. People are made right with God when they, what? Believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being what? Fair. 
God just didn't dismiss the law like my judge did. God is just and fair and right, so someone had to pay, and it was Jesus who paid. God did this to demonstrate what? His righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight. What's the definition of that one? That's justification. He declares sinners to be right in his sight when what? They go to church. What? When when they go to a priest and they confess everything. Is that what it says? When they believe in Jesus. You see, it's, it's not what you do. Believing is not doing. Believing is here. And some of you, you have been living your entire life thinking, if I could just do this better, if I can fix my junk, then maybe... Just maybe, I'll be okay. And you can't do enough. You can't. Why? Because Jesus has done it already. So today, I'm just going to invite you, some of you, you've been trusting in the wrong thing. You've been looking for the what can help me through this stuff. The what, the what, the what. And it's not a what, it's a who. It's Jesus because of what he do, he does, he did his work on the cross. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And um, I just want you to talk to God right now. Some of you, you don't need me to talk in there for you. You could talk to him. God, there are some people here today that they have been trusting in the wrong thing. They have been looking for religion to help them. They've been looking, Lord, just from help, from just trying harder. Lord, it doesn't work that way. None of us can be made right with you, God, apart from Jesus Christ. None of us. So, Lord, I pray for those men and women, children, students here today, that need to make the most important decision of their life. Who need to ask Jesus Christ to take all of their sin away and to clear up their heart, to clear up their life. And Lord, that we would be able to say that Jesus is enough to take away all of my junk, to take away all of my sin, that Jesus is enough for me. Lord, I pray for those men and women here this morning who need to decide to make the decision to follow you, who just need to make the decision to say, I am a sinner. I cannot do it on my own. Jesus, I need you to come and to wash me and to cleanse me. Right now, as J.D. plays, and I'm just going to ask you guys, some of you, you just need to do some work with God right now. Some of you, you can sit in your seat and do that. Some of you, you're welcome to come down front here and just kneel and just you talk to God. 
But do not leave here. Do not leave here thinking that you can be made right by anything that you do. Because you can't. You cannot. Do not leave here with any questions in your mind of whether or not God accepts you. Because today God wants to accept you because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. So that you ask Him to be in your life and for Him to make you clean, whole, and pure today, Christ.